In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. One of the good things about having uh, two Masses, at, at least two Masses at an Episcopal church, is that when you preach at the 8 o'clock and you realize you bit off more than you can chew, then you're just like, okay, that was the guinea pig congregation. <laughs> the, uh, I, I wanted to focus on the aspect of salt and, and light because we're so, we, we don't even think about those things. We just, we flip on a switch, boom, there's light. Um, it's horrible, I know uh, the longest I've gone was like 36 hours without electricity, but many of you remember the um, ice storm back in 2002, that was a fun time. Um, and so we know the value of light, uh, but we take it for granted. And the same thing, salt, <laughs> how many here, don't raise your hands, the doctor told you, take it easy on the salt. You know, back off on the salt. But in the time of Jesus, salt and light were very important. They were, they were commodities that were very, 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 very valuable. Salt was also often used in terms of um, currency and trading. Um, we've heard that phrase, you're not worth your salt in weight, or you're not worth your salt. Um, that comes from when they would sell, the Romans would sell um, slaves. And they would say, well, that, that, clearly that slave is not worth their, their salt. The other thing is that we get the word salary, S-A-L-A-R-Y, your pay. That also comes from the word salt. It's, um, I teach you enough Latin and Greek, you can really impress your friends. Miss Jordan, I think, will be very happy with me about how all the Latin I get out there. Um, the Roman soldiers, when they would get the extra ration or they would be paid in salt, they would receive their salarium argentum. Argentum means silver, but in this case, it's their salt money. They would receive that. Our words, the English word salad, also comes from salt because it would be the seasoning that the Romans would put on their green leafy vegetables. Salt was very, very important. It was a commodity. And so when Jesus says, you are salt of the earth, not you are like salt of the earth, you will be salt of the earth, you are salt of the earth. He's saying you are of value. You are of value. You are important. And Matthew, Matthew uses a word when he talks about salt losing its taste. It's a, it's a play on, um, on a word that has two meanings. In Greek, you think you're back in school, aren't you? In Greek, the word is meireno. Uh, I have to say, I put it in English. I should have put it in, in Greek, but meireno. And it means to lose its saltiness or to become foolish. So when Matthew is using these words, he's using these words to say, your value, if you're salt, you're salt. You're sodium chloride, period. But the value and the tastiness can be adulterated by other minerals. So if you lose your value, 
you're being foolish. And he's playing on those words. And the other aspect is that you are light. You are light. Well, in, in what way? Well, of course, you're the reflection of the light of Christ through baptism. We're given the candle. The godparents or the parents receive the candle, and they're told, receive the light of Christ, and let your light so shine before men that they may see the good that you do and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Those are the two important things that he talks about. You're of value, and let your life reflect the light of him within you. That's a difficult prospect. One, thinking of ourselves in terms of value, that we have a great deal of value. You could say that's tied in with self-esteem or other issues along those lines, right, rightfully so. Sometimes, though, how often have we thought, God is watching me. If only, oh, if only he didn't see me do that. I don't feel that I'm a good Christian. I feel like I fall short. My light doesn't shine before men. Those are aspects of our Christian faith that we do struggle with. To see the inherent value of who we are, that we have value within our own right. First and foremost, because God dwells in you. Because God lives in you. Just like, remember, the little children will ask that story. Is God everywhere? Yes, God is everywhere. Is God in that chair? Yes, God is in that chair. Is God in that wall? Yes, God is in that wall. Is God in me? Yes, God is in you. Is God in you? Well, that's a little complicated, child. <laughs> yes, God is in you. You're of value. And he wants to preserve the faith within you, and you have a light. But why is it that we lose it? How is it that it disappears? We get in the second half of the gospel, it's almost as if it doesn't fit, right? He's taught, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. That's beautiful. Think not that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. Whoa, that's a pretty big twist. So often we think in terms of, of, of Jesus, and I take my, um, some of my colleagues to task. Jesus comes because he does away with all of those things. He initiates a new, whatever, religion, philosophy, view, you know. Why are you getting caught up in all that fussiness? That's ridiculous. What Jesus is saying here is talking about spiritual discipline. I don't know how many laws that there are in Judaism. Um, 686, if I remember, or 668. I always get it um, mixed up. And you know, by the way, all of those laws are enjoined on the men. Very, very few of them are enjoined on women. A rabbi friend of mine said, they had to be enjoined on the men. Women knew naturally just not to break the law. <laughs> so the laws became the focus. Maybe how can I put it today in our world? The priests who have served this parish over decades 
have been Anglo-Catholic priests. You know, there was a time, maybe about 120 years ago, um, maybe even a little bit longer, about 130. If I was in England and I was wearing this, we had the candles, flowers, heaven forbid, a cross on the altar, I would be going to jail. There are priests who went to jail for these things that we take, you know, for granted. Part of it was at that time um, anti-Roman Catholicism, that if we put these things up there, candles today, the Pope tomorrow, which wasn't really the case. And then we won these things of our faith, learning about the sacraments, the restoration of the sacraments, and about teaching and morning prayer and the faith. And so that now we take these things for granted. And in some of the places, it can almost seem like they're being fussy. Oh, I don't know, I can think of a, of a parish. Oh, I don't know, what's that city? Boston. Church of the Advent. If you look at the pictures, you see their new rector, who I think you're familiar with, wearing the cope, and they're holding the cope as he's walking and sprinkling. The things that we do, um, some of the, one of the changes that uh, um, I mentioned, you guys, you ladies and gentlemen don't see it, I asked the servers, at the end of communion, pour wine in the chalice, and I'll clean the chalice, and then wine and water over my fingers. That can seem particular. I mean, this could be particular. Why do I need to wear this? In summer, it's pretty hot. That is the thing Jesus is addressing. People will argue about these things. You know, do you cross yourself this way? Do you hold the vestments as you walk down the aisles? There are things that guide that, but they're not the end. What is at the end, and Jesus is talking about, is that do they help us grow spiritually? I would hope that they do. I would hope it's, we just don't do this because, well, we've done this for a long time. And what does a long time really mean? But it's a spiritual disposition. How does that get back to salt and light? The disciplines that are presented to us by the life of the church. Do you have to bow and, and cross yourself at the appointed times? No, you don't. But I'm willing to bet if I came in jeans and gym shoes next Sunday and stood here, you all might not say anything to me right away, but later on, like, ah, that looks a little weird or strange. But when I put these on, I am focusing on my spirituality. What is it that you do when you come into the pews? How do you focus on your spirituality? What type of prayers do you say? What do you have at home and in your own life that represents or reminds you of your faith, of your Christianity? Is it a cross? Is it a prayer card? Do you say the office on a daily basis? Do you happen to have some people that maybe have like a, one of those holy candles or light a candle, or a, or a religious picture at home. Something that reminds you and helps you focus. The example, the reason why the priest wears this, I'm willing to bet nine out of 10 priests don't know. This represents charity. And when I put it on, 
I say a prayer that reminds me to be charitable every time I've put it on. I don't think I've forgotten once, thousands of times. Is it necessary? No. But I need these things to remind myself of my value. I need things to discipline myself to be that light. That is the heart of what Jesus is getting at. And he's saying, I'm not telling you about Pharisaism. They know all the rules. There's the Mishnah and the Talmud. But Jesus is saying, no, your righteousness has to exceed the law. Your spirituality would be the best way of putting it. Has to exceed the law. And then your salt will not lose taste. It will not lose flavor. And your light will not be hidden. It won't even be snuffed out. These aspects of what we do are intended for us to grow. Intended for us to see him, to work toward him, to see him in the sacrament of the altar, in his throne of glory in heaven, and in the hearts and faithful, in the hearts and lives of his faithful people everywhere. Let us pray that our salt does not lose flavor, that our light is not hidden. Let us pray that because we are of value, we can know him, love him, serve him, be happy with him in this world, and live with him in that land of light forever and ever. Amen.